Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. My name is Emily Kerr. I am the founder and executive director of Charleston Hope. And like Pastor Brandon said, I get the privilege to be married to Andrew. And I know he was up here, so it may have ruined my joke a little bit. But if you don't know which one he is, which you probably do now, but he has been described to me as the one that looks the most like a Backstreet Boy. He has his blonde do-it-himself hair that he... I don't know what is going on with it right this second, but I think he's growing it out. But you also may recognize him by, if you have ever asked yourself when you come into church here at Awaken, if you've ever thought or asked yourself, or maybe you've asked someone else, or you've probably maybe even asked me, what is Andrew wearing? What is he wearing? That is one of the things I love the most about him though. Um, He is brave, he is bold, and the way that he leads our church and the way that he leads our family is some, is I'm just so thankful and so honored to get to be his wife. And I'm so thankful to be here this morning. I'm typically down there on the front row at this service, worshiping alongside you. And I don't take for a second, I don't take for granted one second, the honor and the privilege it is to get to share with you God's word and what he has put on my heart. And I can't thank our pastor enough for believing not just in me, but in all of us, the gifts and the talents and the good things that God has given us to be used by him. And it's a blessing that we have a pastor that doesn't just see those in us, but he invites us to use them in so many different ways. So can you guys give it up for our pastor and love and appreciation? Pastor Brandon mentioned that I came here and spoke in 2016. And when I walked through the doors of Awaken in November 20th, 2016, it was my very first time ever at Awaken. I had hardly heard of the church. Um, I did not know a single person in this room. And I walked in and I gave the vision and the mission of Charleston Hope and what Awaken was about to be a part of in our holiday initiative, Adopt a Classroom. But I remember going home that afternoon. I remember going home that evening and sitting in my room and just weeping. I have, had been in a place in my life really from the year of 2014 to 2016 of really just this deep, dark depression. I struggled with so much anxiety. I, was, um, I had just graduated college. I had a nonprofit that I kind of got thrown into to run the, the organization full-time, although that wasn't what I went to school for but I loved doing it. And I came here to Awaken and I shared the mission and the vision, but I stood up here hungover from a night before of partying, from a night before of trying to wash some of the pain away that I had been feeling, and even to just feel better, to even just feel a little bit more happier. And that afternoon, I was so embarrassed I was so ashamed and I just sat on my bed and I remember crying out to God and saying, God, you're done with me. How could you ever use somebody like me? I know you've asked me to build Charleston Hope, but maybe my time is up. 
Maybe my time is over. There's got to be somebody else. There's got to be another executive director out there that would come, that would not be hungover, sharing to a church full of people that they didn't know. There has to be someone better. I just felt so ill-equipped in that time. I felt so unqualified, so unworthy. And I'm wondering this morning if there's anybody in this room or maybe even watching online that you feel unworthy, that you feel ill-equipped, you don't feel like God could use you for something great. Maybe this morning you think you're just too young to be used by him. Maybe you think you're too old. Your time has come, your time has gone. Maybe this morning you are carrying so much hurt. Maybe you're carrying so much shame from your past or the sins that you're currently walking through and you feel like God just can't use you in this season. Maybe in the future, but just not right now. Maybe it's a year of 2020. It's a year of chaos. It's a year of loss. It's a year of struggle. And maybe this morning you're thinking as you turn on the news and you see the coronavirus, you see the political unrest, you see the racial tension, you see all of the world's problems and you're looking and you're thinking to yourself, who, God can't use me, I'm too small. The world's problems are too big. Why would God use someone like me? How could he even begin to use someone like me in the midst of a year like 2020? No matter where we find ourselves on the scale this morning, of if we're doubting that we can be used by God, if we're struggling with our sin, if we're struggling with our hurt, and if we're just not believing that God could use someone like us, I believe that, that every single one of us in this room and watching online, we want to be used by God. I don't think if I asked, is there anybody in this room that, that doesn't want to be used by God? You just want to go through life. You don't want the pressure of God using you in a big and mighty way. You just, you just want to stick to yourself, stay in your house, and you just, you're good. God can use someone else. I don't think any of us this morning would raise our hand and say, that's me. We all have this deep desire, and especially if the Holy Spirit is within us, we have this deep longing to be used by him in an extraordinary way. And you know, I think about the many different scriptures that we read, the many songs that we sing about how God uses people in the Bible in an extraordinary way. He uses people who are so full of faith, so full of obedience. He uses people like Moses to lift his staff and to part the Red Sea so that the Israelites could walk through and get out of centuries and years and decades of oppression and slavery. And I don't know about you, but when I hear these stories, I'm kind of met with two things. I'm met with this excitement, this belief, this urgency of God, use me. I wanna be like Moses. I wanna have the faith of Moses. I wanna be obedient like Moses. But then here comes the enemy creeping in, telling me these lies that you're not good enough. God's not gonna choose you to do something like that. You don't have the faith of Moses. You don't have the trust and the obedience of Moses. And it can become overwhelming to think about how can God use someone like me for something like that. But what I think we miss a lot of the time is that Moses 
didn't start out that way. Moses did not start out with God telling him to do something. And Moses is like, oh yeah, that's me. I got it. God, I'm ready to go. No, Moses is met when he is met when he is met by God in a burning bush in the wilderness that he had been a shepherd for 40 years and he's out tending his sheep and a bush comes on fire and the voice of God says, Moses, Moses. And Moses says, here I am. Moses was so full of doubt and overwhelming sense of insecurities and all of the things that he lacked as God told him he had chosen him to go and to set the Israelites free. It was overwhelming to Moses. And in the first three chapters of Exodus, we see that God and Moses are having a dialogue here. God and Moses are talking about this assignment that God has given Moses. And Moses is just constantly full of doubt. He even says, who am I to be the one to go? And God is trying to reassure him. He's being kind because that's who God is. But we get to Exodus chapter four. And if you have your Bibles, this is where we're gonna turn. Exodus chapter four, verse one through five. But Moses protested again. What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? Then the Lord asked him, what is that in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake and Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob really has appeared to you. Will you guys pray with me? God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you so much for the chance and the opportunity to come together as a church family, to dive into your word, to know you better, to know your heart better. God, I ask that you just come into this room this morning. God, I ask that you show each of us how you can use us in extraordinary ways. And God, I ask that you just um, push me to the side and your words and your voice and what you have for our church just comes alive, God. May we leave this room, may we leave this church and go into our normal week. May we leave feeling encouraged and inspired, not by me, not by my words, but by who you are and the good things that you have for us. So what is going on here? What is happening in this scripture that we are reading? I've summed it up to three things. God has chosen an unlikely person to use an unlikely thing for an unlikely result. If you don't know the story of Moses, Moses was put in a basket as a baby because there was a law set out to kill all baby boys in Egypt. And so Moses' mother put him in a basket and Pharaoh's daughter, Um, found Moses. She then raises Moses in the Egyptian court. The Egyptians and Pharaoh begin to oppress the Israelites. They've been oppressing them. And one day Moses goes out and he sees an Egyptian beating an Israelite slave. And Moses snaps and Moses murders the Egyptian. Moses then flees and he's built a new life for himself. And that's where we've picked up in Exodus. And so knowing that past, knowing the history of Moses, 
God has chosen an unlikely person. He's chosen a murderer. He's chosen someone who has fled and ran from their sins. He's chosen an unlikely person. And then God, as Moses is conversing with God and he's so full of doubt and he has so many questions. And Moses says, how are the Israelites gonna believe me? Because keep in mind, Moses didn't grow up as an Israelite. He grew up as an Egyptian. So God has asked somebody who was raised in the very courts of the people that have been oppressing the Israelites to go back to Egypt to free the people that they were oppressing. And as, God, as Moses is doubting God, Moses says, how will they believe me? Why would they believe me that you sent me? And God simply says, what is that in your hands? And Moses looks down and it's a stick. And I don't know about you, but if all of this is going on and God is speaking to me in a burning bush and he's telling me I'm going to free the Israelites from slavery and he's implying to me that what is in my hands is what is going to be used. And I look down and it's a stick. I'm, I'm gonna be like, what, what is happening here? I think I'd probably be filled with even more doubt that God is implying I'm about to use a stick to free the Israelites out of slavery. And that's the unlikely result, that Moses would go and be able to free the Israelites out of slavery. God has chosen an unlikely person to use an unlikely thing for an unlikely result. He's chosen Moses, an ordinary person, to use an ordinary thing for an extraordinary impact. Moses had no idea he was about to change the course of history. And I'm wondering, do you feel so overwhelmed with the things that you lack like Moses did? Do you feel so overwhelmed with the doubt and insecurity that as God is telling you to do something, as God is telling you he's given you something to use for his glory, that you're so overwhelmed with fears and doubts and insecurities that you just keep asking God questions. You just keep asking questions. And sometimes I think we think that those questions are obedience, but they're really not. It's not obedient until we begin to walk in the things and the assignments that God has given us. And there are three things in the scripture that I feel like God has put on my heart to encourage us as a church as we look at Moses' story, as we look at how God used him, an ordinary man, to make an extraordinary impact, and how we can be used for that very same kind of impact. That is to recognize, to receive, and to release. Recognize, receive, and release. It's so important that we recognize what is in our hands. And you know, in the midst of Moses's doubt and confusion and anxiety and stress of what God was about to do, God asked Moses just a very simple question. What is in your hands? And when I think about this question, I think back to when I was a 17-year-old high school girl. I remember sitting at the table in 2011 with my sister, who was right back there in the fourth row, and I remember sitting with her, she was a teacher at the time in a Title I school, and she was so overwhelmed 
with what was happening in the school systems, with what was happening in her classroom. And I remember seeing tears on her face as she just shared with us how several of her students that year weren't going to receive a Christmas gift. Many of them, if not most of them, of her students were living and growing up in poverty. And Christmas that year, it just wasn't gonna happen. And I think back to that moment and I think back of, oh my gosh, there are so many things that I lacked as a 17-year-old high school girl. And I wanted to help. But as I thought about the things that I lacked, I didn't have a brand. I didn't have a nonprofit. I didn't have an organization. I didn't have a following. I barely even had an Instagram. It's 2011. Like, I didn't have an influence. I didn't have anything really to use. But when I think back about what I did have, what I had was a burden for others. I had a burden to serve the most vulnerable. My family had grown. I had grown up with my family serving consistently the most vulnerable people here in our community. And that burden was well inside of me. And that's really all that I had. You, yes, I had some time as a high school senior. It'd be a little bit different now, but I had some time as a high school senior. But what I had was a burden and a willingness to say yes a burden and a willingness to go. And this is what it looks like. This is what it looked like that year in 2011. We've got a photo. This is our very first year of Charleston Hope with absolutely no organization, no brand, no nothing. But it was just a 17-year-old girl with her family and her friends that said, hey, God, use me, use us. So we collected 40 toys and we, we wrapped them and we took them. This is my sweet Azaria, who I think is almost in ninth grade now. But when I think back to that time, it could have been so easy to be consumed of all of the things that I lacked. And I could have just walked away from the table. And I could have said, I'm, I'm sorry, Brittany. I wish there was something that I could do to help. But there was. And that's all God has ever done. He's always taken the very things that people has and has used them for extraordinary things. All Samson had was a donkey jawbone to be used to kill a thousand men. All the unnamed boy in this in scripture had was five loaves and two fish. And God took those five loaves and those two fish to be used in an extraordinary way and to perform a miracle to feed thousands. All the woman had was a jar of oil to present to Jesus. So I ask you today, what is in your hands? Do you have time? Do you have a few hours a week that could be given to serve and love your neighbors in a special way? Do you have finances that could be given to support a nonprofit or support and give and tithe to your church? Do you have a talent, a dream, a passion to start a nonprofit or to start a business or to go serve in missions? What is in your hands? And the second thing that when we realize and we recognize, okay, these are the things that I have in my hands, we have to receive them. Before we can release them, we have to receive them. And what I mean by that is we have to agree with God that he has given us those for a good purpose, that he has a very specific plan for the reason why he gave you the very things in your hand. 
But so often we are met when we look down at what is in our hands. And I know I do this many, many times. We shield and we hide what's in our hands for several different reasons. The main one I think is being comparison. We look at what's in our hands and we think, oh, I don't have what he or she has to the right or to the left of me. I don't have $10,000 to give to that organization or to the above and beyond campaign at church. All I have is 10. So I'll let God use the 10,000 and I'll keep my 10. Or I can't be like Carly Ferguson who seems to be able to do everything and, and every bit of things that God has asked her. And it's such an inspiration, but so many times I even look at myself, I can't be like that. That's not what I have in my hands. And so many times we are stuck comparing ourselves to the things around us, to the people around us. And many, many times we are so focused on the, on people's extraordinary impact that we, we can't even think about the ordinary things in our hands. We're so focused on how God has used that person to build that church or that person to build that nonprofit or that person to build that business or that person who's on stage. And we think to ourselves, I can't do that. I can't make that kind of impact because I'm not in that position. But what we miss is that all of these people had humble beginnings. Pastor Brandon started with what was in his hands to build this church. Some of us this morning too, and I definitely fall guilty to this, but some of us think that it's not humble to use our gifts or our talents or our homes. Some of us think that it's not humble to use our time or it's not humble to use our voice here. I'm fine with singing in the shower, but I don't, I don't need to be on a microphone. I don't need to use my gift here at church to usher people into the presence of God on a Sunday morning. I don't need that. But can I tell you this morning, it's not humble to hide your gifts from being used by God. It's not humble. It's not humility to look at the very things in your hands that God has given you and to ignore them and to keep them to yourself. We honor God when we look, we recognize, we receive, and then when we release what's in our hands. When we walk in obedience and we release what's in our hands, we, can, we can't even begin to think of the things that God would do. I bet when Moses looked at what was in his hands and God told him it was a stick and then God says, throw it to the ground, Moses had to physically release that stick. He had to physically let it go and trust that God was about to do something. I don't know what it is, but he's about to do something. And Moses never probably would have imagined that that very same stick was the same stick, that same rod that would be used to bring plagues onto the Egyptians so that the Israelites could eventually walk free. That very same stick, that very same rod was used for Moses to lift it up and the Red Sea parted. That very same stick, when the Israelites were in the desert and didn't have water, Moses used that stick and struck the rock and water came flowing. Can you imagine if Moses didn't recognize and receive and release that stick? Can you imagine how the, the story, how the plan of God would have been altered? 
And that's exactly what happened with Charleston Hope. And it's so special too, because when we release what is in our hands, God then releases what's in his. And when I think about Charleston Hope, I think about the Lloyds. I think about how they believed in a 17-year-old girl. I actually was 18 at the time, a college freshman. And their son was in high school with me and became a part of it. And I remember the phone call I got that said, hey, we're gonna give you, we're gonna give Charleston Hope $1,000. I didn't know what we were doing at the time, but I think about how when I released what was in my hands, the Lloyds released what was in theirs. And God has done extraordinary things. That $1,000 began to build the organization. And to this day, we have since been able to expand Charleston Hope and the mission and the vision into three other cities. We have Clemson Hope, (laughs) Clemson Hope, Akron Hope, and we have a branch in Chicago, Illinois. I think about Adopt a Classroom, the holiday initiative that started it all. I think back how I could never have imagined what God would have done in and through a 17-year-old girl sitting at the table. And to this date, over the last nine, almost 10 years, we have been able in Charleston alone, not including our other cities, to bless over 30,000 students and teachers just during the holiday season. Over a million dollars has been poured simply to spread love and joy to the most vulnerable right here in our city. I think about our classroom mentor program. I think about how Ashley Bowers has released the time that she had in her hands. I think about Lori Eberhardt, who's like my second mom, who has released the time in her hands and has become a classroom mentor to help students get on grade level in math so that they can beat the odds of what people tell them so that they can go further than people would ever think they would. And then my favorite is our Stepping Girls program. I think about how people have released what is in their hands to make this program what it is today. We get the privilege and the honor of third through fifth grade girls at Mitchell Elementary to encourage them in an after-school program to be who they want to be, to be who God has made them to be. And what I love most is we encourage them, despite many of them growing up and living in poverty, to use the very things in their hands to make a difference. These are my favorite girls on the planet because you would not believe the dreams and the hopes and the plans and the way that they want to serve and make a difference in our community. And you may think that God, even in the midst of 2020, I remember as the, as the coronavirus shut down our schools, we got kicked out of our office for six months. And I thought to myself, how is God gonna use us during this time? We can't run any program. We can't do anything right now, but we partnered up with Awaken and through the pandemic, We've been able to serve over 150,000 pounds of fresh groceries, of fresh produce, of items to stock families, pantries, and fridge, because many of you released what was in your hands. And even Justin Riccio went in a partnership that we had 
to provide specific families with food. And Justin Riccio met a woman who had been homeless at the time to give her food. And I had been able to be connected with her through Facebook and to help serve her over the last six months. And I invited her to watch Awaken Online. And she has tuned in every week since April. And in May, she raised her hand that she wants to be baptized here at at Awaken. God has since provided a home for her. Last week, she came to our small group for the very first time. And in a couple of weeks, she's gonna be baptized right here in these waters. You never know how God will take an ordinary person to use an ordinary thing for an extraordinary impact. Can you imagine what it would look like right here in our church if we looked at our hands and we looked at the very things that God has given us and we released them into God's hands. Can you imagine what our communities would look like if we took the Saturday morning that we had free and we said, I'm gonna go serve with Love My City or I'm gonna go serve with Charleston Hope. I'm gonna go serve with a nonprofit. Could you imagine what the generation to come under us would look like if some of us took our love for kids, if some of us took our love for the next generation and our love for Jesus, and we took the two hours before this service and we forfeited the coffee run, we forfeited the few extra hours of sleep and we went and we served in A-Kids and shared the love of Jesus to the generation that's behind us or even our youth on Sunday. Can you guys imagine what it would look like, however old you are, if you asked God to take what was in your hands If you looked, I have this time, I have this talent, I have this gift, and you offered it and released it to God. Can you imagine what he could do in and through you? God takes the ordinary people to use an ordinary thing for an extraordinary impact. He is waiting and willing to use you. Imagine what it would look like in our Above and Beyond campaign if we didn't count ourselves out. So many times I find myself thinking, I don't have a thousand dollars to give. I really wish I did, but I don't. I only have a hundred. Can you imagine what our church could do in and through if every single person in this room and watching online looked at what they had and they said, I'm not gonna keep it. I'm not gonna keep it to myself. God can't use this, but we looked at what was in our hands and we said, I must give this to God. I must give this $10 to God to be used in an extraordinary way. Do you believe this morning that God can use you? He's a good, good father. He is sovereign and he is waiting to take what you have, the very ordinary things in your hand And he's waiting to use that to build his church, to build his kingdom and to change eternity. The question this morning is, will you use what's in your hands? Will you recognize, receive and release what's in your hands? We're gonna stand and sing this song. We sang it right before called heaven. And the chorus of this song says, I feel the tides are changing. 
I feel the darkness shaking. The walls are coming down. And church, that's exactly what God will do when we stand and sing. You can stand and we're gonna pray. When we do that, when we release what's in our hands, God will do that. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this morning, God. I thank you for this church that I get to call my family. God, I thank you for the many gifts and the many talents and the many dreams and the many businesses that you are just waiting to build. I think of the many people on the playground. I think of many parents that we pass at the daycare, that if we just saw that it was an opportunity to invite them to church, to invite them to know you, God, I can only imagine what it would look like. God, let us be people that takes what's in our hand, God, and we don't see them lightly. We don't think more of ourselves than we think of you, God, but we trust and we know and we release it to you and we wait for you to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, God. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for the very things that are in our hands. Amen.